So Kelly, I have news. News? Okay. Yeah. I, this is a tale from my box for, for people who don't listen regularly. Sometimes I will tell a tale either from CrossFit or my other box. In this case, it's from CrossFit. Kelly, I signed up for the open. The CrossFit open? I did. Yeah. But I actually don't wow. know what it is. So you don't really know what it is. I'm okay, hoping you're going to tell me what it is. We should explain to everybody. So the CrossFit open is a fucking brilliant marketing idea, right? Like everyone pays $20 to CrossFit to do the workout at their gym on their own and record it and like send it in. And then all the results get tallied and you find out like how you ranked rack. I was trying to say stacked up and ranked at the same time, how you stacked up against other people. And the thing is in theory, in theory, you do the open and the best people then get to go to the games. They get invited to like the regionals and then you have to, you know, prove that you weren't lying. (laughs) I think that they deleted the regionals. Oh, did they? Yes. So you can't get into the games anymore from the open? Because you just have to do the open to get into the game. I'm going to have to find out how it works now. Okay. But you have, but it's, it's a set, it's like set workouts for, what is it? It's like four weeks. It's like a month, basically. Yeah, for, I think it's five weeks, I was told. And it's like a set workout and you find out, I think on the Thursday, like, I just don't know what the workouts look like. Like, have you ever They're done very an open hard. workout? Yes. So I never have done the open. I've never signed up, but I have been at CrossFit when the open was happening. And so the workout would be the open workout and everyone would be doing it. And so I would do it. it they're very hard to be clear. And they're also... To actually compete, you have to do it RX, like prescribed weight, prescribed, which can you do? Are you capable of that? They're very challenging. Yeah, like mostly not. Like I can't, <laughs> I can't not. do the prescribed weights on the Olympic lifting, but a lot of the body weight stuff I can do. Right. So I'm oh, not going to go. Can't, <laughs> body, you, you can do prescribed body weight. No, I can't. You do don't like, have to like <laughs> lose weight. <laughs> like for example, for example, I can do like handstand pushups. Oh, good. Without like mats under my head, like which would be, but I'm going to do the scaled division, which means like the one where they prescribe a lower weight, <laughs> basically. <laughs> okay. So you're going to do the open. It is very challenging. It's also very interesting. It's a very big thing in the CrossFit world. And I feel like there's not an equivalent in, you know, endurance and triathlon. There's not where you go off and do like your own thing. Yeah, exactly. So what we're going to do after the break is we're going to talk about whether triathlon should have an equivalent to the CrossFit open and what that might look like. Right. And we're also going to talk about how do you become a fan of triathlon? And uh, last week we talked about prize money and this week we will discuss sponsorship and healthcare. Plus we got a couple of voicemails about makeup after this. If We Were Riding is brought to you by Noon Hydration. And Sarah, I think it sounds like you could use one of Noon's immunity tablets right now. Ooh, tell us more about that, Kelly. (laughs) I'm actually holding them in my hand right now. Orange citrus, which would boost your immunity system since you seem to be having the winter cold. But they also have a whole bunch of products. They have sport tablets and vitamins. And my favorite is the performance drink. It's like the powder you put. I just put it in like a water bottle, sip on it while I'm typing on the computer all day. It's basically the same as like a Coke or a beer. (laughs) (laughs) Except it takes care of your hydration needs. Exactly. 
What's your favorite flavor? Oh, I actually can't tell you what my favorite flavor is because they're about to come out with a whole bunch of new stuff and it's super top secret. So I can't tell you what my favorite flavor is. You're just gonna have to stay tuned. But I can tell you that all of their products have like super high quality ingredients, like good for the earth, very clean, and specifically formulated for women. So. Ooh, I love it. Okay. Okay, top secret information. You're going to hear it soon right here on the If We Were Riding podcast. Awesome. Okay, and and folks at home, you can use the code IRONWOMEN and you get 30% off at noonlife.com. So that's IRONWOMEN at noonlife.com. Live Feisty's If We Were Riding is brought to you by Ass Kicker Inc. Ass Kicker makes activewear for women featuring empowering phrases like Work hard, play hard, kick ass, or strong women lift each other up. Ask Kicker Inc. also makes our fabulous Live Feisty tank tops, t-shirts, hoodies, and leggings. So to order yours, go to livefeisty.com and just choose shop from the menu. And of course, use the code RIDING to save 20%. That's RIDING, as in if we were, at livefeisty.com. I'm Kelly O'Mara. And I'm Sarah Gross. And you're listening to Live Feisties If We Were Riding. My time, my time. None of you people can tell me to stop this time like the last time. You better get ready to race in the top. I'm ready to do this, show you what the truth is. I step on the field, it's time to get real. I'm feeling so ruthless. Okay, so the CrossFit Open, we just explained uh, how it works. You send your money to CrossFit. You do your thing on your own. It's amazing. It's brilliant. Triathlon doesn't have something equivalent, but there are there are virtual races. I've seen that growing, you know, virtual 5Ks. You do it on your own. You like sending your result. You get a medal mailed to you. That's never been appealing to me. There's also, have you ever done these postal swims where you, I have done those, where you do a lot of times it's like a timed mile or how far you can swim in an hour and someone counts for you and you mail in your form and then you find out how you stacked up. Those are actually kind of fun, but I feel like triathlon, do we need to have something like this where you, everyone is in an open, they go and they like do the little race for the day, do the workout and send your time in. Okay. I think like on the service, I have the same reaction to it as you. Like I thought this was the most brilliant marketing move, like pay us. And then you just do your workout anyway and you send it to us. But I think that like, I think that in triathlon, okay, the 5k sounds like a terrible idea to me, right? Yeah, I would never, I have never done a virtual. Well, that's not true. I did one for like a charity friend thing, but right. it's not like appealing. Because, because it's a, it has a direct comparison, which is an actual 5k race, which obviously sounds way more appealing than running 5k right. on your own and sending your time in. Um, <laughs> but same with this, like the swimming one is like slightly more, but what I think makes it with the CrossFit thing is the fact that the workouts are unique. You know, you, you only find out on Thursday and then you have to do something that's like, it's like a combination of things. So I think for triathlon, it could work if you did like super fun swim, bike, run type combo workouts. Right. Or something I don't think the other, I mean, the other thing that makes it, makes it work for CrossFit is one is 20 bucks. Like you'd be like, whatever, here's my 20 bucks. Tell me what the workouts are. But secondly, the gyms get really into it. So, you know, you're going to the gym on Friday Mm -hmm. and it's going to be the open workout. The gym has a team. They do it all together. That's why when I did the postal swim, it was fun because like my master's team had gotten into it. So we all went and did it on a Saturday. People counted for other people. Then you took turns. And so if triathlon did something like this where all the clubs got into like whatever we want to call it, the triathlon open, maybe we'd have to come up with a different name. 
then you would know that you show up on Saturday. It would be whatever the triathlon open challenge was for, you know, that weekend for the four weeks and everyone would do it. It'd be like a mini race within the club mm-hmm. for an hour or whatever, probably an hour. You don't want to be more than an hour. And then you'd mail it in. I think this could work. It would require buy-in. It would, it would also require um, a bit of communication between clubs and stuff, or it might even create more communication between clubs. But I think, okay, so you, you set the lines of communication up and you like, you could like pit clubs against other clubs. Exactly. And you do it in the winter because, because that's when there's like nothing going on in North America um, in the, in triathlon. I think, I think there's something to this. So you'd also have to convince triathletes that they can, you know, not do their prescribed exact base training every Saturday well, for a month. Thing. You have to skip your long <laughs> ride on Saturday and you have to go and do this fun thing. That's the, that's the other piece of buy-in that could be challenging. Right. Great. Okay. I think it might also, the other thing about the open though, is people buy into it. The gyms get really into it. Everyone gets really into it. And then it makes them feel invested. And then they follow the people who win. And then they follow the games. It like creates a whole pipeline of fans and i've been thinking about this a lot sarah i don't know how you actually are a fan of triathlon not you one how does one actually be a fan of triathlon it's hard it's not it's not a thing like we don't i know well first of all we don't do a great job of creating heroes in the sport sorry i still have my like weird scratchy throat um <laughs> which you guys can probably hear right now um no like i think one place where they are kind of doing a good job of this is super league Super League does a good job, but it's still hard to, I mean, partially this may just be like North American bias. It's hard to watch here because you have to like YouTube, I mean, you have to YouTube stream it or whatever, which is easy to do if you have the technology, but it's also like a weird time. I have to remember. I just, okay. So here's my thing. I have gotten into the Kings and I've been going to NBA games and it's very easy, right? I paid like a hundred dollars for a pass for all the games for the rest of the year. I just like show up. They have beer. They have like spectator games during intermission. They have announcers who tell me what I need to know. It's all right there. It's very easy to follow. I don't even care about basketball. Like I can't, I can name one player like off the top of my head right now. That's it. Right. But it's like very easy to be a fan, right? They've also been calling me and asking me if I want to buy tickets for next year because clearly they realize I will buy shit and you don't have this in triathlon. Like, I feel like there's just not, I mean, Super League has done a much better job. Super League is like the only thing really doing that, Mm -hmm. but it's hard to really follow. It's hard. Like I've, I've seen more NBA games than I have triathlons as a spectator. That is weird. Yeah. I mean, I guess we don't have like, we don't have the same thing. We don't have home teams. And we don't have like it's like I don't know how you create that. Remember, um, Major League still happening. Major League's still around. I talked to him at TBI. Yeah, so Major League is that was part of what they were trying to create. I think home teams. Yep, home teams. Yep. It's just it's just hard to get something like that off the ground. I mean, it's a big endeavor. Yeah, I mean, I know that is what like Super League's whole argument is that they want to create a league. They want to create a league with like exclusive rights so that people can follow. They can follow standings. It's easy to understand who's winning. Um, they can have like, you know, and now they have announcers who tell them what they need to know. They can stand around and watch it. Right. They they like pretty much are doing all that stuff because they're like, well, if we self-contain it completely, then we can make fans. And I don't know, maybe it'll work. I mean, that's like I just keep coming back to that because we tell people 
like follow your fa- like follow your favorites, follow the people, like the companies, the sponsors that support the sport, like be invested in your sport. But there's such a big disconnect from the participants and this like the spectator, like there's such a big disconnect. Yeah, it's true. That's one of the central, I mean, and that's one of the central problems. We talk about it week after week about how <laughs> like the prize money is drying up and the sponsorship for pro athletes isn't good right now. Right. And like part of that is like in that disconnect between the, like the lack of heroes and the participation level versus the, like versus the elite level of the sport. Right. So newsletter this week, I talked about prize money because I actually heard it. I actually didn't realize I heard it on the Iron Woman podcast that uh, Haley and Alyssa were talking about how Thorsten, who Thorsten Rad, who does Torsten. all the stats and numbers. I always say Thorsten because it looks like Thorsten and in, in my head that's what I say. Thorsten um, had done his like prize money roundup and told Alyssa and Haley how much money they'd won for the year. And so I didn't, yeah, so I hadn't realized, but then I went and looked it up and he had done a very detailed like analysis of all the prize money for the year, counting kind of everything. And top takeaway for me was prize money has decreased, uh, shockingly, mm. but also that there's a huge drop off. You know, Daniela makes 200 in prize money. The 20th place person made, ooh, I'm trying to remember now, uh, but the 10th place person made 92. I want to say the 20th place person made like 40, something like that, 50. Right. So there's a big That's massive drop, drop off. off. Yeah. And like some of the big names that you think are making, like they're not up there. Right. To be like super clear. So, um, so how are they making their money? Right. And so somebody basically commented after I had written about this in the newsletter and said, well, what about sponsor money? Do we have a similar list for sponsor money? And we don't like that doesn't exist because that's not public. It's so yeah, not even close. Like I, I mean, I consider myself fairly plugged in. I know lots of pros. I know lots (laughs) of industry people and still like I only have a very vague idea about how much people actually make like the numbers because you can't like no matter how well, you know, like there are some top pros that I know very, very well. And still, I don't look at the point blank and be like, so how much does this contract pay you? Right. Like you just don't know that information. And, and oh, yeah. sometimes no, you they keep it hear, secret. They do. Okay. So like you do hear through the, like the great, you're like, oh, so-and-so's contract went from cash to just product this year because such and such a company is cutting down, but they don't say, they still say like happy to be working with whatever or or you notice that their work like they push them slightly less and you're like oh their contract must have gotten cut but you don't really know right you don't yeah you, you know who know. was super honest about this sorry we'll just go back to iron woman a little plug oh, here yeah. but listeners go to the episode with meredith kessler on it because she actually she's the first person i ever heard publicly do like she gave actual numbers of like what she was making before this dip started from oh certain, she's uh, she's had she's super open yeah and i know she's also um a dip happened a dip in the last like a dip happened yes. in the last couple of years yes so we love her transparency right like because it's the it's the first time i really had a real concept of how much because i never broke through to that kind of top level so i didn't really have any real understanding of how much money they make they, they used to make in a reporter co- aspect, not in like a friend athlete aspect, I've asked and like, I know that, yeah, like people Meredith level were on contracts that pay, like they were making over a hundred in cash on sponsor contracts mm-hmm. with like, but a lot of it being like half boat, like uh, podium bonuses and stuff, but they're not anymore. <laughs> like to be clear, they're just, they're not. And that money's very much dried up, which I mean, we keep talking about it. It's a little, there's a lot of reasons for it. It's a little frustrating, but I also think um, you're going to see some of those big names be done 
in the next few like for sure i agree like that it it takes it there'll be a, a small delay you know the money starts to dry up people might decide to do it for another year or two but people will start to leave and it'll be interesting to see what that does and people will notice like i think it will be at a high enough dropout rate that right. the people who are paying attention will say where are the pros there's big enough names who had big enough word on the street rumor is had big enough cuts in their contract in the last two years that yeah it'll be like daniela and lucy like by themselves exactly exactly and it's not a race without a race uh so anyway but the other thing that like in the whole pro compensation discussion that's come up recently is healthcare, and i have talked about this with many friends because uh everyone my age is having kids i don't know if you know this and all my friends I do know even because I've been your age before. Because you've been my age before. And even outside of the athlete world, most of my friends are not on regular jobs because like my friends are freelance writers or they like work in TV or they do video production, right? So nobody, right. not nobody I know, most people I know do not have a nine to five with benefits. Most of them are on some kind of contract employment. Right. And so having a kid is super stressful on contract employment if you're not in a union which like TV workers are. And it made me wonder, well, one, what did you do for healthcare? And two, is it better in Canada? Well, duh. <laughs> <laughs> Obviously it's better in Canada. Okay. So, well, first of all, like as a Canadian, I, I sort of have to spend half the year in Canada. Right. Oh, is that like a rule to get you have to spend, okay, if you said, sorry, if you spend half the year in Canada, you can get your health care. You have to spend six oh. months to get the health care. Oh. Yeah, but it's pretty easy to spend six months in Canada um, <laughs> because we have at least that much good weather, um, no matter where you are. <laughs> so, and then you can, then you get like, so then like really you, it's, it's provincial. So some provinces it's free. I think I pay like $56 a month or something, but it's like okay. barely full health care. And then when I traveled, I would just get like travel healthcare. Basically, oh, it was that that, it was honestly that simple. Like I know that it's a it's a lot different. It's a lot it, different when you're here. an American athlete, uh, but it's <laughs> literally that simple. So like same same thing for me now. Like I'm not I'm running a startup media company, right? Like I don't we don't provide healthcare here at Live Feisty Media, <laughs> as you well know. Um, so so like. But it's this. I just still pay my fifty six dollars a month, and I have healthcare, and it's decent. Like it covers because that's the other thing I think for athletes in the U.S. is you can get basic healthcare, but it's not going to cover like all the things you need as an athlete. Yeah, it covers most. Like I know there are complaints about like some. There are some things like say the MRI MRI wait list or something sure. that like some you know you would occasionally have a complaint about, but really it is occasional, and also it's you know what it's like these things are about like who you know sometimes or if i had to pay for a, an mri privately just myself if i want it to happen faster i could also do that i've actually that is one of my big pet peeves uh it's an ongoing argument i have with people that the insurance price for things here in the u.s is different than the cash price that you can literally be like oh i need an mri i'll pay the 500 dollars cash which is what it is in some places because it also varies wildly by geography. Literally, the price will be 10 times different, like on one side of the bay versus the other side of the bay. But then the cash price is $500, but then the insurance build price is like $10,000 because insurance isn't paying $10,000. They're arguing it down to 800. Oh my God. 
this is like a pet peeve of mine. I think all the prices should be transparent. And it would, and if everyone, if the insurance prices were transparent and everyone got charged the same amount, it would drastically resolve some problems, not all problems, but many problems in American healthcare. Side point. Side point. And I have side point stories. It's a big problem. I've, I've totally used that <laughs> to my advantage in the US when yes. I've been there because I'm paying the walk-in price, right? Sometimes. So I'm just like, right. anyway, that's totally side point. What do you do for health insurance? Well, I am on my husband's, which is good, but I used to, before that, just buy it on the marketplace. Uh, and I had like a pretty, I don't want to say shit plan, but you know, I paid... I had a high deductible plan because you're like, well, I can pay less per month and know that if an accident happens, I will have to pay a lot of money or I can pay a lot per month. And then if an accident happens, I won't have to pay. And you're like, well, you might as well just like math logic wise roll the dice. But, you know, then you're going to be out whatever. I think my it was like a $10,000 deductible if I got hit by a car or something. And that's I mean, that's just what it is. And that doesn't even take into account if you got hit by a car and have ongoing, you know, you can't like. The big problem for me is not the healthcare cost, which is a problem. Like that would be tens of thousands of dollars. The big problem is then you can't go back to work. And if you aren't working, right. then you wouldn't be making money. And I think that I don't think has actually been resolved in this like healthcare discussion. I think even the athletes who have really good health insurance, who like their medical bills would be covered, they're not going to be making money. And that becomes like a whole other problem. And that's, I think, why you end up seeing all these GoFundMes and like Caring Bridge because we haven't resolved that. Like there isn't a resolution for that. It's actually like a massive problem with how we've structured our, you know, workplace and our healthcare here in the, like it's a, it's a problem. It's not because there's not a solution. So that, I just hope that I don't yeah. need to deal with that. So I got hit by a car in Kona. Yes, I remember. I was there. A couple, two and a half years ago. Yeah. yeah. And I couldn't walk. I couldn't run for months. And I had trouble proving like that I had lost income from prize money, uh, right? So I could prove I had lost income if I didn't, if I literally had, a, I'd have to have it in writing from a sponsor. Like we didn't give her her contract again because she couldn't execute her rates. Right. Um, so that would have, but, but lost prize money, I, I couldn't prove. So yeah, it's a, it's a tough one. You could just go. So my end goal here is that I'm just going to end up going on like Judge Judy. I actually hate Judge Judy. Uh, People's Court. I'm going to go on People's Court. That's my favorite. And fight this out if it happens. Okay. So You have a favorite so you know. court show? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Doesn't everybody? <laughs> yeah. Duh. Duh. So anyway, it's a big problem, guys. I can go down. We, it's a... Uh, and it's not just a problem for athletes. It's actually like when we talked a few or what was it a month ago about, you know, how millennials are fucked because the system's fucking them because they set them up to fail. And this is like healthcare is one of the big problems in the U.S. because of how it's structured. And it's not it's not just athletes. It's like everyone who works in like the modern got a hustle environment. Yes. <laughs> like have surgery, get back on your computer. It's just that athletes obviously are more susceptible because they have more problems. Right. And I am right. grateful to be Canadian right now. <laughs> America is the best. It's great. <laughs> okay. So from a, from a problem that could have fairly big consequences to a problem with small consequences, um, we had quite a few voicemails about the issue from two still weeks about ago. Makeup. Everyone still worked up about makeup. People still want to know about, about wearing makeup to the gym was, I think, how we originally framed the question. But we got a couple of voicemails. So let's play one of those. Hey, Sarah and Kelly, this is Jess calling in to bring up this makeup thing again. <laughs> I really don't like it um, when girls wear makeup to the gym. I 
It's like getting your car washed the day before a big snowstorm. What's the point? Anyways, I could go on about this, but I'll leave it short and sweet. I just wish girls were more comfortable in their own skin and not needing to, you know, make themselves look a certain way for to impress certain people all the time. Anyway, thanks for listening. Bye. So Jessica at the end there said she wishes people would be more comfortable. Women would be more comfortable in their own skin. And I definitely think that's something we can all relate to or we wish for womankind. For womankind. I, yeah, I mean, isn't... We have another voicemail, and so we'll get into more discussion in a second, but isn't that like the end goal, that everybody just does whatever they want to do and feels good about themselves, however that is? Yes. Whatever that is, yeah. Yes, well, that's what you and I concluded, but... <laughs> that's, that's our end goal. <laughs> one of our listeners took issue a little bit or had, had some, something to add to our conversation. So I have some thoughts about makeup and working out or makeup in general, and I'm pretty much in Kelly's mom's camp and Kelly's camp. And I kind of think Sarah's camp too. Um, One of the things I don't think that came up is that makeup is a capitalistic industry built upon patriarchal notions of what it means to be feminine and what it means to be a woman, right? So the folks who run these huge makeup industries and are making billions and trillions of dollars off of predominantly women or individuals who want to embrace what is socially acceptable as feminine are men. And so I think that's a huge piece that we need to think about. Um, I definitely believe beauty is socially constructed. It's also socially constructed in a racist way that beauty is tied to whiteness. And so I think there's some complications around makeup use and what does that mean in terms of who is and is not considered beautiful and what are considered quote-unquote neutral tones and things like that. Um, So I think it's really challenging. I think the reality of makeup while working out doesn't make a lot of sense when you're sweating out of your pores. So why would you want to clog your pores? Because I think that can lead to infection. But I think it's a huge issue. And as I was running my 5k time trial, listening to you both talk about it, Um, I have very strong opinions about it and also do not wear makeup and have not worn makeup for probably 20 years as a, as a, a means to resist, I suppose. And then I wanted to question Sarah's comment that wearing makeup is an advantage. Like what advantage does it give women putting on makeup that funds an industry that's largely run by men that boxes in what it means to be beautiful? So I didn't understand that. And I would love for you to explicate your perspective about makeup and advantage. All right. That's what I have to say. Thanks. Okay. So I'm sure you have a lot of responses, but I'm just one thing I'm just going to say, in my opinion, Sarah's point about women are using it to their advantage (laughs) in a non-academic sense boils down to don't hate the player, hate the game. (laughs) (laughs) Totally does. (laughs) And women are just playing the game that they've been dealt, right? (laughs) And it sucks, but they are using the tools that have been using handed. The I feel like that, yeah. that is what you were saying. Am I wrong? <laughs> like- um, yeah, no, you're, you're definitely in the right direction. Okay. I like to play this game when I think of things like that feel sort of like Lisa said, that sort of feel like we're dealing with like a capitalistic environment that's like mostly created by men. Like my, my game is like, what would happen if women were in charge? Okay. Right? Okay. So on the makeup question. The answer that I come to is like, I don't think like I think if you put women in charge, I don't think they would get rid of we 
collectively. I don't think we would get rid of makeup, right? I think what we would do is try to create more diverse sense of beauty, right? Sure. Of what is considered beautiful. So it's like, don't blame the makeup, right? Like, or, and maybe, maybe, or maybe like, I'm just saying what I would do now, but <laughs> <You're> like, <laughs> if I was in charge, not women, in charge. me personally. <laughs> so we have like, be less rigid about the standards of beauty. Cause that's the problem. Right. And then also like makeup, like there are plenty of men I suspect who wish that makeup that they could wear makeup too. Oh, I mean, well, where I live, a growing number do. And because why not? It's right. not do whatever you want. It's not a big deal. Yeah. Well, in a lot of so. places, it's still like countercultural. Like this is where we get back to my point of like it being an advantage for women. Like in some places, it's still countercultural for men to wear makeup. Right. right. And so I think like so when I think, is there any advantage for me as a woman to wearing makeup? Right. I like have to answer that like in the um, on an individual sense in the game that we're not, like we're playing right now. Like if if society's right. a big game and I'm going to play it like. There's like when I go on camera for Iron Women, right? I can like put on a little mascara and look better, right? Per societal standards. Per and societal standards. That is like an advantage for you. Yes. So you also hear a growing number of stories about, you know, because gender norms are somewhat breaking down. Yeah. That like about little boys being like, well, I want to, you know, paint my nails because she like my sister gets to and then they do and then they get like bullied and that sucks, right? Paint like everybody. If you want to paint your nails, it's fun. Paint your nails. Like who cares, right? Like anyone should be able to paint their nails. Yeah. Fine. Well, that's it. Like and yeah. Like that was why. That was the other thing. Like I had made a bunch of notes about this, of course. <laughs> um, but, but then I told you you weren't allowed to talk super academic. I know. <laughs> I'm trying to frame this in a certain way with inclusive language. Um, that there's like that there are rigid definitions of what it means to be like beautiful as a man as well. Right. Right. And that it's just painted in a different way, right? I also, like, I don't think I totally agree with Lisa here that, like, I don't think beauty is 100% socially constructed. No, I mean, it is, it is. Because you know how, like, it cha definitions change over time. Like you, like, you study history and culturally. Yeah. Like, she says, like, it it's a very racial component. It certainly is. Of course. And it, beauty is very tied up with whiteness in North America, in Western society, but it's not everywhere, right? Like yeah. that's not true everywhere. So it's very, it is defined by the society that it, you're within, if that makes sense. Yeah. Or it's like, it's like social, it's like, I would say like, if I was going to put, it's like mostly socially constructed. Right. But I do think that, that there, like, there might be some innate things about like, cause like you're like the physical thing of like choosing a partner. Right. right. That's the whole like biology, like, oh, she looks like she would bear good children. Yeah. Like in like, in like anthropological terms. Right. I could right. like, I, I, wide, like in a wide brush with painting with a wide brush. Like I'm not like saying, oh, like <laughs> that we're like pre somehow like biologically predetermined to choose blonde people or something. Like, I don't think that is a thing. Right. But I think with, a, if you paint beauty with a very wide brush, like there may be some innate characteristics in us that want to pick a certain partner for a certain reason and like not just with beauty but also with other characteristics like intelligence as well I think like a lot of people are like would be naturally attracted to that for example okay so there might uh -huh. be like I would I'm like open to the idea that there's a little piece of that in terms of how we understand beauty but mostly I do think it's socially constructed mostly I keep coming back to well okay like women are 
playing the game as it's been constructed by society. And that's, and like, I would love for the game to be destroyed and be different, but it is what it is. And if you can choose, and if you personally choose not to play that game or whatever, and you're like, which to be clear, like wearing makeup at the gym, I am not sure is the gay. I don't like that. <laughs> it's still obviously a bizarre thing because you're sweating and whatever, but you can choose not to play the game. And yet we know that women are punished for that, right? They're like, I keep coming back to, and I said this at the outspoken conference that you can like lean in only takes you so fucking far. There are so many studies about like confidence is not the problem. Right. And so like you can choose not to wear makeup and you will still be judged at your job. Like I have had bosses say when I worked in like a different universe than I work now that I wasn't presenting myself well. Right. And we, and I was reading a study this week about resumes and who gets called back and they like did this blind you know sending out tons of and high achieving women just off a resume are called back three times less than high achieving men because they are perceived just off a resume and not talking as being difficult bitchy all those things right so we know that women are pun like it's one thing to say just be more confident just don't wear makeup just just own it and sure if we all do that eventually the game may change but right now you as an individual are going to be punished for those choices right right? it's like it is it's like okay if you picture like pieces playing pieces on a board right and if i was gonna pick like if i was gonna pick okay i want to help break the glass ceiling by becoming the ceo of the company that i'm in right okay like this is my path this is my like snakes and ladders this is my ladder (laughs) okay so, and I knew that I could take the puzzle piece of like wearing a little bit of makeup to help that gain. Like I would take that. It's like a, what do you call it? Like, like, it's like a little, like you're like dancing with the devil a little bit. Like right, right. I'd wear a bit of makeup in order to, to help break the glass ceiling. Yes, I would do that. Right. But that also comes down to like definition of fe- like, like that's like corporate feminism. And obviously there's a huge branch of feminism that's like intersectional feminism. And it's also like, let's destroy the system completely because capitalism has profited off minorities and blah, blah, blah. Sure. And so these are like different things. And that gets down to, I think, Sarah, what is the end goal, right? And you and I would say the end goal is for women to be able to do whatever they want to do, right? Like make whatever choices they want to make, have whatever opportunities are like all the opportunities that are available out there to them mm-hmm. without it hurting them right without it coming back on them without it having like make and that includes then choices that you wouldn't agree with it includes being able to make stupid choices right yeah like people people fucking still smoke in this day and age and that's a fucking stupid choice like holy shit but there are a lot like they they have the ability to make that choice right. and so if the end goal is for women to be able to make any then that includes being a swimsuit model or wearing makeup yeah. or doing like if we completely get it out of the constraints of like masculine capitalism and they still want to do it, then they can do it. Right. Yeah. And That's my, yeah. Yeah. A hundred percent. Like, or like not choosing, like I think too, like choosing not to judge someone who wears makeup at the gym. Well, at the same time being able to express your opinion about the fact that makeup should not be worn at the gym. Right. But <laughs> Boom. make whatever choices you want to make. So, okay. Well, I think we beat that one to death. Um, all right, no more makeup voicemails, guys. <laughs> FYI. <laughs> um, okay, so after the break, we're going to talk about the weird things that we do in the name of health and wellness. We would like to thank Ass Kicker Inc. for supporting the podcast. And remember to go to livefeisty.com, click on shop, and use the code RIDING to order your Live Feisty tanks tees, hoodies, and leggings. Follow at If We Were Riding on Facebook, 
Instagram, and Twitter. And subscribe to our feed on iTunes or wherever you listen. If We Were Riding is produced by Live Feisty Media and is hosted by Kelly O'Mara and me, Sarah Gross. Our awesome editor is Aaron Hamilton. So have you ever gotten a vagina, Steve? No, have you ever done any weird wellness things? Okay, I, not really, but like I want to hear your reason for asking this question. And no, I've not had my vagina, Steve. Your vagina, Steve. Thanks for asking. So there, thanks for asking. So, I mean, I've, I, there was an article in the newsletter this week. I was reading about the wellness industry, but I've read a lot about the wellness industry because it's like very booming. It's like a massive growing thing. And there are all kinds of weird things you can get done for your wellness, for your well-being. You can get your vagina steamed. Hey, what is that? Well, my understanding is you squat over a steamer. And what's it thing supposed to do? Cleanse you, Sarah. <laughs> oh, sorry, that wasn't Put like you immediately more in obvious. Touch with your aura, obviously. You could also get vitamin IV injections, obviously. There's all kinds of like cleanses, detoxes you can do that kind of seem to all come down to like pooping more, honestly. I don't know. You can, uh, I, uh, Gwyneth Paltrow sells a jade egg that you can like shove up your vagina. What's the, what is that supposed to do? I have zero idea. <laughs> like, li- I, I don't open it up. I believe more. Open it up. <laughs> I heard, I was listening to some podcast the other day and this woman was talking about a face massage, but where the person like put their hands in your mouth and stretched it out because your mouth doesn't get stretched enough. So there are a lot of things that you can do in the name of wellness, Sarah. Yes, I totally believe that if you if you really want to. OK, I like my stories are so tame because I'm so pragmatic. Right. <laughs> but I do like I like to think that I'm open minded <laughs> at the same time as being pragmatic. Okay. So like if experiences happen to me, I'll just like acknowledge them. So like here's one, for example, I like when I lived in the Middle East and I trained there, um, I had some like unusual massage therapy experiences because people would come from different countries and they do massage therapy differently right so i had this woman i think she was from the ukraine anyway she would do like she would keep me first of all she like kept me on the table until like until she was done figuring out all of my problems which i loved like sometimes i'd be like two and a half hours in there right (laughs) she'd only charge you for an hour then i'd give her a huge tip like that's how we worked it but like Man, was it amazing. Like, so instead of trying to squish it into an hour, you can imagine how good this would be, right? Anyway, one of the, the first time I went in there, she didn't touch me for like the first five minutes. It was very weird. And she had her hands like above me. Oh, yeah, yeah. And then she like hovered over like my lower back and she was like, she hadn't touched me yet and like didn't know anything about me. And she's like, do you have menstrual issues? <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, mm, yes. She's like, yes, you don't, you don't, um, she's like, you don't menstruate regularly. We hadn't had the conversation yet about how I'm an athlete and all of this. Right. So okay. then we had that conversation and she's like, oh, this makes sense. And like, da, da, da. like, it was just like this very interesting, like, how in the heck did you know that? Right. But like she did and that happened and it was like something I observed. 
Okay. Interesting. Okay. Maybe she was doing the thing that like psychics do where they put something out, they see how you respond, and then you think that they knew something, but they're really just reading body cues. Oh, there would have been part of that, except that, except in the first like question. But I guess, yeah, she could have just decided to throw up. Or she issues. just felt your aura. That's the other or option. She's here. just like a mind reader. Yeah. Yeah. She, no, she felt your aura. You were giving off an I don't menstruate well aura. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. <laughs> Have you ever done any like weird no, things? No, no. I mean, I like in other countries. Yeah. When you're like, oh, I'm going to go to a Turkish bath. And then you're like, oh, I didn't know that was just like beating me for an hour. That's cool. Uh, <laughs> True. So obviously you get yourself into situations, mm-hmm. but I've never done, I've never even done like a cleanse or anything. It just seems weird to me. Yeah. I've never chosen. Although I have to say I would do a cleanse. Like okay. I would try that or I would try a liver cleanse for sure. I probably should with the amount of red wine I've been drinking lately. Yeah, I thought about uh, decreasing the amount I drink, and then I'm like, eh, but I'm, I'm not a quitter, Sarah. <laughs> <laughs> it's, good. it's good to have standards. Exactly. We know what it takes to be reaching the top. We know what it takes to be reaching the top. We know what it takes to be reaching the top.